This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by hot chocolate. Oh, I'm so cold. Oh, is that hot chocolate? Oh, it's steaming. It looks so good. It's it smells so good. I'm just gonna have a little sip. Oh, my tongue, my tongue skin. Go to the hot chocolate alley to receive a third degree burn on your tongue. Hot chocolate, more than meets the tongue. Ain't none hotter. And now on with the show. Since what? Since when do we do anything aside from keep the first take on the show? <laughs> you, it took you like four at the last time because you kept be like this episode. Of the, wait, the, the table. This table. I do not remember it creaking this much. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock. The boat. <coughs> um. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's us again. Um. And. Uh, we're here to decide. <laughs> wow. What happened to our mojo? We took a 10 minute break and now you're like, hello. Guys, uh, no. I can we see were, you sweating into the microphone. We, were, we, record, <laughs> we record these uh, one after the other. We definitely don't sit down and record a couple at, at the same time. Um, Jason, is there anything interesting from your life that you'd like to share? Um, I think. I don't, can we just. Talk, let, should we just talk about whatever? I guess. I think <laughs> I think it's interesting to talk about the way that uh art plays into your life just for a minute as like a stabilizer as you have different changes in your life. It's like Definitely. the the uh a universal constant no matter what you are doing or where you're going um or who you're doing it with. Whoa. Um hey, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa. <laughs> uh, I've just found that <laughs> It's so powerful to be listening to the same songs over the course of working full-time, then, like, our road trip, and then going to school. Mm -hmm. It sounds obvious. Like, everyone knows you can listen to music throughout your whole life. But I just think it's very cool, and it's it's such... It reminds me of the power of the medium. Wildflowers by Tom Petty is the album that I've listened to probably the most this summer. And I was listening to it the other day. And it's now November, so... And it's now November, yeah. Uh, over the past summer, I guess. And I was listening to it the other day, and it just evoked these powerful recollections of, like, specifically us talking about the song It's Time to Move On as we were driving on PEI. Like, I remember that. Um, and I remember listening to that album. We must have listened to it five times over the course of the road trip and uh, jamming out to it while I was driving to and from work. It's just such a, a unspeakable feeling, and... I was reminded the other day of like why we do this podcast and how powerful that stuff actually is. Yeah, it's and you made some comment about how you were reading um, Slaughterhouse Five before you got married, and then you're gonna read it like the night before. No, and then you're no, gonna no, read reading uh, Blood Meridian. Blood Meridian, and then you're gonna read it the next night, and you made a comment that it's like it'll be the only thing that stays the same. Yeah, and sometimes that's really true, and I I think that. Um, this is a positive show overall because we mostly we talk about way more things we like than we don't but uh, generally yeah yeah, generally but I just want to take a minute to remind ourselves and everybody else how powerful and how positive the impact of art is on our lives yeah and I felt that really acutely this summer yeah Um, especially with with the Spotify all out 80s Mm -hmm. and with uh, wildflowers it's like I've gone through a lot of radical changes in my life over the past year, but these 
energizing, empowering, emotional songs stay the same and in another 10 years when I'm doing something else different, probably with a semi-different, semi-same set of people, they'll still be just as good. And I will certainly never hear the song Betty Davis Eyes the same way again. Right, yeah. Or The Big Lebowski. I'm going to associate yeah. The Big Lebowski with that Airbnb <laughs> stay for the rest of my life. That gin-soaked yeah. Airbnb stay. Yeah, I mean... In Dieppe. <laughs> God bless. We'll <laughs> <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, but yeah, I just... I think... Um, yeah, I've been feeling great lately because... Um, you're happily married and I'm thrilled with my college program. I'm having a ton of fun mm-hmm. and it's important to remember that music gets us through the hard parts of our life. But what I'm trying to say with that is it amplifies the good parts of your life too. Yeah. You know, it's like a good score for a movie kind of thing. It does yeah. the same thing. So totally. yeah, I don't know. Just shout out to music. And shout out to this music in particular. <laughs> As the ultimate stabilizer, the true constant, the fabric of the universe from which life and consciousness are woven. You know what I miss? Let's just bask in this for a moment. I miss when Jiang Gomeshi did Q and he would open up Q, like the little rhyming thing, with the awesome, like, uh, essay. Yeah. Those are really good. Those are very well every single day. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. I wonder if they have writers. I can't even write a new intro for this show, which is the Good Ship Brothership. And it is the only arts podcast that covers film, music, gaming, literature, and hot chocolate with a little marshmallow. Mm. I'm Grant, and this is your little marshmallow, Jason. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> and today, sweet, that's me. Today, we're talking about the uh, classic, cult, cult classic, classic film, Eraserhead. Um, this is uh, a movie made, the, the debut movie by David Lynch, who as... Did you just Google Eraser? I did, yeah. And it's also <laughs> a movie. Um, and... Uh, Eraserhead by the uh, visionary David Lynch, who, just as an artist, I think, has been incredibly impactful on me. Um, He's somebody who, as we will probably soon find out, really does not chase after narrative or, you know, he really, really... Just his boldness to do something incredibly unique to uh his his bravery in being confusing being weird subversive uh, being subversive and uh and and really being guided sometimes entirely by his subconscious and he's just he's just one of those people who's just cut from a completely different cloth and i really do appreciate him for that and i appreciate his work uh in that regard but uh that being said Eraserhead not the most palatable of films not the most uh easy to watch and we will be continuing to move forward with our kind of um, interview style sort of thing conversation style 
show. So since I am, I am a, I would consider myself a David Lynch fan. I've watched uh, quite a number of his uh, movies, not all of them yet, but uh, you watch Dune every night before you fall asleep. Oh, man, that will put you to sleep. Um, I've watched quite a number of them, and I've watched a number of documentaries and interviews with him and that sort of thing. I just, I find him to be a generally inspiring character and he makes music and painting and sculpture and all sorts of weird 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 things uh, so anyway um eraserhead is a 1977 american expen- experimental body horror film written produced and directed and mostly filmed by david lynch and edited yeah the film's editing score and sound design were also helmed by lynch with pieces by a variety of other musicians also featured shot in black and white Eraserhead is Lynch's first feature-length film, following several short works, starring Jack Nance, Charlotte Stewart, Jean Bates, Judith Anna Roberts, Laurel Neer, and Jack Fisk. It tells the story of Henry Spencer, who is played by uh, uh, Jack Nance, who is left to care for his grossly deformed child in a desolate industrial landscape. Eraserhead was produced with the assistance of the American Film Institute, during Lynch's time studying there. The film nonetheless spent several years in principal photography because of funding difficulties. Donations from Fisk and his wife, Sissy Spacek, kept production afloat. It was shot on several locations owned by the AFI in California, including Greystone Mansion and a set of disused stables in which which Lynch lived. Of course. (laughs) Lynch and sound design, designer Alan Splett spent a year working on the film's audio after their studio was soundproofed. The soundtrack features organ music by Fats Waller and includes the song In Heaven, written for the film by Peter Ivers. Initially opening to small audiences and little interest, Eraserhead gained popularity over several long runs as a midnight movie. Since its release, the film has earned positive reviews. The surrealist imagery and sexual undercurrents have been seen as key thematic elements and the intricate sound design as its technical highlight. In 2004, the film was preserved by the National Film Registry by the United States Library of Congress as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So this is an incredibly odd movie. The tone of it, the, the tone of it, the visuals... The sound design. What are you looking at? I was trying to see if you had nail clippers in here. Guess not. Why would I have nail clippers in here? Seems like something you'd have. This is like my old studio that I've mostly moved out of. You got a lot of stuff in here still. Half moved out of. Dude, I know. Um, So, it is an odd movie. It opens, I think, a lot of uh, questions. And, uh, and And we watched it together, and I knew that it was probably not going to be something you were going to... uh, really really thoroughly enjoy uh it's not the most enjoyable movie but uh i have i have my own thoughts about it so uh, let's did you find did you find eraserhead to be disturbing and or unsettling like in a in a true in the true sense of the word here these are uh this is the entirety of my notes under eraserhead and for jesus is king i have probably 400 words okay eraserhead Hard to watch, hard to talk about, hard to think about. Those are the extent of my notes. Yeah, it's a very disturbing movie. I think the sound design is disturbing. The there's a omnipresent 
clatter of machinery that's not necessarily explained i mean he's his apartment seems to be in some kind of like factory district but there's just this din that just kind of crushes and squeezes on the walls of your mind and makes you feel like you're gonna go insane um the characters are creepy and unsettling and deeply disturbing um the baby that they have that the characters have to take care of is is disturbing and uh and there's just not a lot of comfort in the movie i guess we should pull back and say that it's hard to explain the plot of this movie this is a very weird movie basically if you have it's very easy to under to explain the plot (laughs) there's a lot to go so basically the plot is that this protagonist has a girlfriend girlfriend is having a kid so they get married and move in together the kid is hideously deformed and basically ruins the protagonist's life as he tries to take care of it drives his wife away from him and makes him borderline insane um yeah, that's fair. Uh, there's some very, very, uh, what I would consider to be hauntingly beautiful and surreal and strange images in it. Uh, the image at the very start of the movie with uh, this man sitting in what looks to be like a really a tower. dilapidated... They call him the man in the tower, I think, or the man in the broken window. Yeah, it looks like a very dilapidated sort of shed or something, and he is seated before a bank of these long levers which he pulls and it seems to affect things in uh, the character's life. Henry is his name. Henry, right? yeah. In Henry's life, it seems to affect things there. Um, so just returning to the uh, to the sound editing, did you find did did you find the sound editing to be good? Did you think? Yeah. That it was, oh yeah. I, yeah. It. I David Lynch described the film. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something like. Uh, a, a bad and unsettling dream or something mm-hmm. like that strange yep. and unsettling yeah, yeah, yeah. dream and uh i think if that was his intent it's carried out flawlessly yeah just that that baseline of oppressive clattering machinery and just noise all the time it's kind of interesting because i feel like the norm for horror movies is a kind of suspense where it's really quiet until it's not you know, think of like people trying to hide from monsters. Think of yeah. the uh, the total loneliness of the chalet in The Shining, or the desolation of like a post-apocalyptic world, like in a quiet place where they're trying to hide from those monsters. And this is not that at all. This is horror in a very different way, where it's not it's not a struggle to sur- for survival. It's a struggle to want to survive. But yeah, I think the sound design was done very well. And what do you answer think, your question? What do you think then of like the uh, world building? Generally, what we see, and, uh, and the the film's production was very. The production budget was almost non-existent. I think this movie was made over seven years. Yeah, and uh, David Lynch living uh, rent free, more or less, in these stables, <laughs> and I believe insane. that they had to. Because they weren't technically allowed to have anybody living there. Mm-hmm. I believe they had locks on the doors and he had to like sneak in. Really? Some, yeah, a certain way so that people wouldn't know that he was living there. Weird. Uh, um, and he's working paper routes and stuff to, to yeah. find it. So I think it gives off uh, stage play vibes to me in a big way. Probably just because of the low budget, their sets had to be small and contained like that. I would assume. I don't know for sure. 
but I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think the film ever tries to sell itself as real. I think it's, I mean, it's surreal and absurd at the same time. Um, the deformed baby looks like some kind of alien, like nothing that would ever actually exist. It, it kind of has what looks like a, a skinless, yeah, like sheet translucent, head yeah. On and the body is just this little bundle of bandages, yeah. So I don't think that it's an issue that the world doesn't feel real, but it does feel very oppressive. And on one hand, it's packed with buildings and machinery that's operating, so it's clearly not abandoned. And we see some other people. But it just feels very lonely and very isolating, you know? Yeah, despite all the industry. Yeah, exactly. It's like not... Nebulous. And it feels very... uh, What's the word? Claustrophobic, both in terms Mm -hmm. of the way it looks, because we just see these built-up buildings. We don't ever see, like, really much of an open space, except for at the intro. And sound-wise, too, right? It's like... A f- the few times in the movie like when he goes over to his girlfriend's house for dinner and there's a bit of quiet it is unsettling on one hand but it's also almost just relieving because you just want you just want it to end that constant drone of machinery is is oppressive did you think that this movie was art and did you enjoy any of the shots any of the visuals I think that there are some really uh really beautiful not yeah. not obviously in a traditional i think in a sense, traditional but... sense even i mean of course it's art and i i'm not i'm not uh, a gatekeeper for that anyways um that's funny you say that because recently it was in the in the news or on facebook or whatever about how martin scorsese says that the marvel movies aren't art mm-hmm. it's like what a windbag get over yourself man no i mean it's it definitely says something to someone and David Lynch has said that nobody's actually cracked what Eraserhead is about, but it strikes me that he does have a set idea of what it's about. And art is subjective, so I mean, as long as it, if other people find meaning in it and it enriches their lives somehow, then I mean, it's a worthwhile thing. And in terms of good shots, um, quite a few of them. I mean the. The grading of the film is very beautiful, like that high contrast black Isn't and white. Isn't it? And, yeah. and you would really, you would not really um, expect that from this movie. No, really. And even it, it opens, and apart the, I think the man at the broken window. Those shots are actually really, it's a cool really shot. beautiful. Yeah, and it's just uh, the texture of the makeup in that light. It's a very timeless look in terms of the way that the contrast is graded, too. I think it'll hold up well. And, I mean, it's over 40 years old already. But this shot here that's on the poster of Henry with that uh, key light from camera left and then backlit Mm -hmm. and all of the eraser shavings. An unbelievable amount of, like, dust motes or something. Back behind him. When you see that shot in the movie, because it is in the movie, that's totally gorgeous, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And they kind of... They've made it look more cartoonish on the poster than what it looked in the yeah. movie, but that nice that look that shot in the movie is gorgeous and that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Um. Th- this this movie is very highly regarded among critics, film enthusiasts, those kind of artsy people. Why do you think that is? Um. Well, David Lynch, kind of. Um, in terms of the butterfly effect, has been one of the most influential people 
in filmmaking in terms of who he influenced and what he started. And this is his breakout debut. So I think like his breakout role as a filmmaker. So I think that's probably part of it. Um, I think it also does skate the line where it's very confusing and hard to understand. But if you put the work in and read some articles and think about it, you can create meaning from it and figure something out. Whereas a movie we reviewed a long time ago, which is A Field in England, which I have nothing but hate for, (laughs) is a movie where I'm sure some people have figured something out, don't get me wrong, but it just seems so disjointed and like such an acid trip that I'm not sure... I'm not sure that you can really reliably find meaning there. But I think this film has enough structure that you can kind of extrapolate a truth for yourself. And I think that's probably powerful. What what do you think it was about this film that made Hollywood believe in David Lynch? Um, Because immediately after directing this movie, he directed Elephant Man. For which they invented the Oscar for makeup. For best which I have makeup. not seen yet. I, I have seen not seen that either. either. But um, and then shortly after that, he was booked to play to direct Dune, which was yeah. a massive flop, and it, that was not entirely his fault. But it's also why on earth would you get David Lynch to direct a sci-fi blockbuster? He almost directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, there, there's a number. He was Star considered Wars, for Star Wars. There's and. But what do you think? What do you think Hollywood saw in this man? Because the one thing about David Lynch, every single movie of his that I have seen, the performances, they're very stilted. The actors, the acting is. There's a certain wooden kind of cartoony slant that all of his actors put on. And within the world he creates, and I do think he creates an entirely insulated and believable world. I do think that his world is completely believable as a a single piece. Mm -hmm. Everybody really has a specific manner of speaking. Yeah, even like very exaggerated and not realistic. And I think that's part of... Part of it is the idea of making you feel like everything's off. I think if anything felt real, you'd be a little bit more comforted. But you would think that that would scare Hollywood away. Well, I think that maybe part of why they believe in David Lynch is actually very simple and very pragmatic. And it's the fact that it's very impressive that one man did, I don't want to say the majority, did a massive part of work for this, part of the work for this film. I would say easily the majority. And it is shot well. The grading is very nice. The editing's good. The pacing is is nice. The sound design is good. I mean, just objectively, when you look at the things that make a movie, it's executed with competence. So, I mean, you have to imagine that if you're some dude in Hollywood, you'd watch that and be blown away. Like, one guy did... He <coughs> he wrote that and directed it and produced it, did a lot of the sound, did most of the editing, did a lot of the music. That's crazy. I think that has to be part of it. But also... Just the fact, the unique ability to capture the unsettling to that degree is actually pretty uncommon. Like any film can, any film can scare somebody, but it takes a real special film to disturb you. You know, 
Upon Eraserhead's release, Variety offered a negative review, calling it, quote, a sickening, bad taste exercise. I think that's also fair. <laughs> that's probably fair. I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it's at all an exercise in bad taste. I think that in this movie there's an incredible amount of honesty on display. Um, David Lynch at the time, and there I've read articles arguing that this is not the case, but I refuse to believe it. David Lynch at the time had gotten his girlfriend pregnant. Like, either before or, like, during the making of this movie. So I find it really hard to believe that a component of this is not Lynch working out his own anxiety. Well, the most widespread theory for this film is that it's about the anxiety of parenthood. Uh-huh. That's the that's the number one thing. Which, I, I see that as... Honestly, I see it as a pretty bang-on... And a pretty admirably accurate depiction of that. Now, I did read a really interesting um, article that I sent to you, and I don't think you read. I read it twice. Did you? Okay. Uh, I read it today. Was that the one that had the breakdown where they... There's... (laughs) This is going to sound really random. But the white, like, foam represented happiness and a joy and an overcoming kind of spirit. I thought that was quite interesting, and the... uh, there is a there is a guy's uh, got a cold, and uh, Henry Henry has a radiator in his room, and within that radiator appears to live this tiny little girl, who kind of comes out onto this little like vaudevillian looking stage and sings this sings dances and squishes objects that look like the baby. Yeah, under her feet. <laughs> it's a weird movie, <laughs> but uh, also that is a beautiful song. And very haunting. Uh, the in heaven, it's, everything is fine. It's scary. It's it's beautifully haunting, though, I think. I think a lot of this movie I would describe as something verging on beautiful. As, as something horrific by nature and beautiful in appearance. Yeah, I don't... To me, this goes back... I think I can... At this point in my life, it's hard for me to really love a movie like this because over the past couple of years, I've become such a big fan of art as a positive force and as something that's, I don't want to say uplifting, but either uplift, enriching, I guess. And I read the articles about this being a, a positive message about overcoming your fears and embracing joy and everything like that. Um... And that may be the case. Can I just say, in my opinion, that is almost certainly the case. Because David Lynch is not a negative kind of person. He's very weird, very zen kind of guy. But he, I think, overall, he is a positive kind of person. I also read theories that the lady in the radiator is the baby grown up. Huh. Um, that's, and that doesn't of, make sense to me. But Yeah, it seems like it's... The representation of the fact that it could turn out okay, or I don't know. It seems weird. Do you have more questions? Um, do you think that the man with the the man in the planet yeah. is what he's called, the guy at the beginning pulling these levers, yeah. do you think that's supposed to be God? Um I think I thought more that it's his like subconscious. Mm-hmm. It could be, but I think it's probably more likely that the the planet is his brain or his his id, I guess, and that uh, 
that's some inner his subconscious his psyche whatever you want to call it um but i don't know because it's it shows the levers being pulled and the baby dropping into the world so it could be god i don't know i didn't really think about about it that way though um i noticed also in this watch of the movie which i hadn't noticed on i think i've i think i've only seen this movie twice now it's not the kind of thing i'm gonna be watching mm-hmm. once a year i will definitely rewatch it it's it's just there's nothing else like it mm. um but i noticed a really interesting little detail and that was in a lot of the like in i think some of the hallways i think in henry's room there are often these little alcoves these shallow alcoves i'm burping up a storm here i'm so sorry these shallow little alcoves and in them are placed little withered they look to be dead trees Hmm. and it just made me uh curious like is this in this dystopian landscape that lynch has created where everything is industrial as far as the eye can see are are trees something that is kind of revered is this something that people are displaying you know or Hmm. it's or are they sacred or something like i just found that kind of interesting although they're like this movie is so weird guys like the they main have a character... chicken that's the size of a sparrow <laughs> the size of your fist but the main the main uh yeah <laughs> darndest little things they're the size of your fist <laughs> that movie's so oh, <laughs> it just makes you feel bad it makes you feel really uncomfortable i don't i wouldn't say it makes you feel bad it makes oh. me feel very um unsettled I felt like i need to take a bath after i watched it um but uh what was i saying trees in the alcoves withered yeah dystopia Ugh. it's gone because i already said maybe they're revered or something yeah. like that and then you said and, it's a weird movie guys oh yeah the main character henry literally has a pot full of water in his dresser drawer in which he keeps his spare change i forgot about that yeah and he's got they have like piles of what looks like grass clippings mm-hmm. laying around it like it really is it's about evoking a a feeling, I think. And it I, it does that it very does. well. And it does, for me, trace back to the age-old discussion of art versus entertainment, you know? And not that you can't... Obviously, both can coexist. My favorite movie, Apocalypse Now, I would consider to be highly... Entertaining. Oh, entertainment of on the highest the order. Highest order. Yeah. But also art mm-hmm. of... Maybe not the highest order, but I would say you know, it's up there. By and large, video games, like meaningful video games, occupy the top of that pyramid in terms of trying to be as fun as possible and as enriching. There are some exceptions, but I was also thinking um, about the the puppet of the baby. Mm-hmm. The, and oh, how is, disturbing is it's that? It's disturbing, and it is it oh. is kind of amazing. It's so it's, it's super oh, it's, it's so super gross. disturbing, but like. The, they put a lot of motion into that thing, yeah. and I don't see where the armatures and the wires would have gone. And apparently, David Lynch refuses to tell anybody what the puppet is made out of, <laughs> or like what you know. Yeah, that's kind of its funny. insides are composed of. But yeah, they're yeah. I, I mean, so would you would you overall would you give this movie a thumbs up? I think I would. I think what I said earlier that art should be. Yeah, entertaining or enriching is a good way to put it. I don't think it's really going to be entertaining for almost anybody. 
whether it's enriching is in the eye of the beholder. And for me, I don't think it was, but I can't deny that it clearly has been for a massive amount of people, and that's why it's iconic. And I can't discount that. So for me, I think it was worth it to watch for the history, but nothing more, really. Mm. I had an interesting discussion, and and reading the articles and comments, I did find that quite interesting. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't think I got a lot out of the movie itself. I understand it's about the fears of parenthood, or people say about the fears of somebody's sexuality. I understand that. It doesn't really help me. <laughs> um, you, The one thing I will say in defense of David Lynch and in the, in defense of this movie is that uh, and and I can't I this is not the case for all of his other movies we uh did we review Mulholland Drive mm. we must have I think Mulholland Drive is a far inferior film personally I think I like it's, it better but really I don't I don't think I, found I found it to be, loved either of them I found it to be far more disjointed and this really does have a straight mm. forward narrative and really shout out to how short it is yeah, yeah it's 89 short. minutes credit yeah. to credit but uh but david lynch really is not i don't think one of those artists who makes this incredibly obscure difficult piece of work and you get the sense that they don't really know what's going on that's either. what i'm saying i think like, david lynch, lynch definitely david knows what's lynch's happened. brain functions on some sort of weird psychedelic plane like way out there and to him he's just like yeah, I mean, I don't understand what you guys aren't getting. I'm going to sit outside the road with this cow for a while. Yeah. <laughs> His, uh, yeah. yeah, a little backstory on that one for everybody. His uh, Oscar nomination campaign, which many directors do for their star actors. If one of their actors is nominated, the director will do this thing saying, you know, they're so great and blah, 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 blah. Laura Dern, longtime David Lynch collaborator, was nominated for an Oscar, and David Lynch's campaign to support her so good. was that he printed off a giant billboard that's had Laura Dern's face on it said for your consideration Laura Dern and then he sat in a director's chair underneath it and smoked cigarettes and drank coffee all day and had a Holstein cow next to him and like a PA or something like that and he just sat there and smoke cigarette can you imagine unbelievable you're in los angeles you're visiting or something like that and you drive down the street you're like wait is that david lynch with a billboard and a cow <laughs> he's just chilling out there so good yeah so yeah i and and i do give him enormous credit for that his movies actually mean something yeah. i think i don't i would never say that this is not art i wouldn't say that it's not worthwhile or that it's unimportant but I also don't know that anybody really needs to see it now unless they have aspirations of being a film enthusiast or a filmmaker or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't hurt to make yourself uncomfortable for an hour and a half. Yeah. And that's the worst case scenario. I don't think that this movie would ever bother my top 10 films of all time. No. I think if I was doing a top 50 list, it would probably be on there just for the the incredible veracity of his vision mm -hmm. and the purity of his vision and the fact that he is in the purest maybe the purest sense of any film excuse me geez filmmaker i'm aware of and auteur somebody yeah. who completely he's got his hands in the mm -hmm. mechanics of every part you know sound editing lighting writing the costume set decoration everything is david lynch so 
And the movie is the movie's greatest accomplishment is how complete it is in making you squirm. Absolutely, and that's very impressive. Oh man, but yeah, yeah. that ending scene that is uh, Eraserhead. Yep, watch it if you want, but be careful because it's really weird. If if you have seen Eraserhead, or if you just went and watched it because we told you to, and now you're feeling like you just need somebody to talk to about it, we're here for you. Don't worry. You can uh, shoot us an email on uh, uh, at. The good chip brothership at gmail.com. I don't know why I led with the email. No. Nobody's going to use it. Yeah. Or you can message us on uh, Facebook or just find us at the good chip brothership or brothership.pod yeah. on Instagram. On Instagram. And you can send us a message there. I'll probably do, uh, not not about this one, but probably about Jesus is King. I'll do a little poll and be like, yeah, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, that's a solid idea. But yeah. if you put up a razor head, nobody's going to vote. Getting at two people. Nobody's going to vote. People, people are going to. Hey, I want to know. Okay, this is a good one because this is an obscure one. If you are still listening to this, somehow communicate to us these words. Ready? The old lady's eyes are right. No, 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 no. No? Come Let's on. do an Eraserhead Let's... reference, dude. Okay. Just uh, message us in heaven. Everything is fine. Yes. Okay. In message, message the show. In heaven, everything is fine. And make sure you put the comma. After, After heaven. In, in heaven. In yeah. heaven. In heaven, comma. Everything, everything is, is fine, fine. Period. Yeah. You got your good thing, and I got mine. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so scary. <laughs>